Turn seas into highways. 
Welcome to Watershed. It's good to see you guys. Hey, uh, before we continue in worship, let's, let's kind of do our new routine, I guess. And we're going to just take a couple seconds here and uh, close our eyes, try to slow down our breathing, kind of settle into a moment of worship. Spend a little bit of time focusing in on who it is that we're communicating with. We're spending time focusing on God. So breathe deeply, close your eyes. You might want to put up your palms in a receiving manner. But let's just take a couple seconds here to quiet ourselves before the Lord. Heavy for all my 
place when the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire Between West and I can feel the crowd. 
Good to see y'all this morning. Um, we were and are today going to be able to celebrate communion. So uh, that's the first time since COVID since that we'll be able to celebrate this sacrament. And I want to give you a little bit of instructions before we, we're going to do that at the end of the sermon, um, but I want to give us a little help before we get there. Um, hopefully you were able to get one of these uh, little cups from D or the Princes or the Bechtels or maybe someone else as you came in. If not, as we get closer, kind of put your hand up once communion comes around or even do it now. We'll try to help you out. But things are a little different. We're going to be using the little cups and there is a wafer on top. I want to give you just a couple clues before anything else. There is a slight film you want to get that you want to pull back first. Right, this at Watershed, we just break it down nice and simple. We're gonna go to the film, don't do the, leave the tab, okay? The little film to go to the bread first, the little wafer. We'll take that first. And then the next tip when you drink from this, do not pull the top all the way off. Otherwise, you have a good chance of wearing the grape juice. So we'd like to remain, refrain from that happening for your sake. Um, and then for Norland's having to clean it up afterwards. Uh, but just peel the top back then when you go to drink part of the way. Uh, so it's a little easier to drink for one, and you don't spill it over yourself. So there's that slight film for the bread when that time comes, and then there's the larger piece when we go to do that. So just wanted to give you some, some basic info on how to use the little cups today and wafers. Um, so... Let's continue, though, in worship, in prayer today. God, thanks uh, that you are God, that you are in control of all things in this world. Thank you that you are the king of kings. Lord, that we can praise you on the mountaintops and also in the valleys, knowing that you are with us. And God, you have never let us go. We know that. We see that fully in Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, your Son, who is the true king, the lamb on the throne. The fact that, God, you would enter this world, you would become as one of us, human, and you would live a perfect life, and in living a perfect life, though, would die the sinner's death. The death we deserve, you would take upon yourself. Why? So you could lead us the captives free. So you could free us from our sin, from our brokenness, from our mistakes, our missteps, for all the things that are unknown to us, as well as all of the things that we're aware of. God, thank you for that rescue. Thank you, God, that you, again, as we think about you being with us, we, we think about members of this Hardwike family, Lord, who have been dealing with health issues, whether it's Rick or Gene, God, Howie, Jim, it's Pete. Lord, it's been Anthony and... Lord, John and Beth, as they have journeyed through, Lord, both sickness and as folks have journeyed through death, thank you that you have promised to again be with our brothers, our sisters, and with us. We thank you for the healings that are taking place. We thank you for the hope of eternity that anchors us when it seems like all, all is lost and situations are hopeless. Lord, we also thank you and celebrate baptism and in the giving of uh, your promises to, to us before we were ever aware of it. We celebrate uh, along with the, the Pipe family and the baptism of Eliana, God, and just uh, we, we give you praise, Lord, that she is going to be anchored deeply in the promises of what you've done. 
Lord, we want to continue to pray for our country. Pray for not only our brothers and sisters in Christ, but Lord, those in, in our country uh, as well who, who do not yet know you, but, but Lord, all people who, who are on all sides of the aisle. Lord, we pray for those who are running for public office. And Lord, we know that to, to be in that position is many times a no-win position and place. We pray for your wisdom for our leaders. We pray for a spirit of humility to continue to move into their lives and through their lives. We pray, God, for a spirit of compassion and grace, for mercy and kindness. We pray for patience. We pray for the ability to collaborate with one another. Even though our policies may look different, our means and our methods of solving problems may be very vast and, and can seem like there's a chasm in between them, Lord. But I pray that we would see more of our leaders crossing the aisle to talk with one another, to work with one another. In those places that, Lord, we do not see where that's already taking place, we also just want to say thank you for those leaders who are doing so. But Lord, continue to guide uh, Lord, us as a people as we all vote in the next coming weeks. Lord, as we all vote with the information we have, the convictions, the values we hold, Lord, and even within this room, people vary, different candidates, different thoughts. But Lord, through it all, we remember that you are king. We don't serve the kingdom of a country. We serve the kingdom of God. We serve your kingdom, Lord. We are united in you and by your spirit, by one Lord, by one faith, one baptism. And may that be the truth that continues to anchor us and keep us and hold us together. May we be a people of peace that can witness to your peace in this world. God, now as we dive into your word, as we dive into the scriptures, as we hear the stories that you have laid out for us that are your stories and ours, God, teach us and lead us by your spirit. Guide us, direct us, move within our hearts, transform our hearts and our minds, Lord, both through the word and through the sacrament of communion. Unite us to yourself, to the good news of who you are and what you've done. We love you, we praise you, we pray these prayers and many more in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. We're continuing in our series this morning in Daniel, the book of Daniel. We've been engaging what it looks like to live in a world that doesn't necessarily look like the one we knew or live in a world that we didn't anticipate being in. And that's the whole idea. God is here too? Like, is it a question or actually a declaration? Hopefully throughout these weeks we're learning that this is actually a declaration. That even though life may not seem like it should or it could be, even though life may not be what we want it to be, the God of the world is still present, still holding us. Today we come to Daniel 6. We're going to hear that same message, that same truth. In some ways, I'm going to say it's a little deja vu. Right, that's the picture. It looks like I'm looking at a picture of the same thing. Right? I've lived this moment before. I've felt this feeling before. I've been here before. Have you ever kind of had that deja vu moment? It's the season of deja vu for me. I get the leaves picked up, and the next day, deja vu. You know, like, I, actually, I was quite amazed. This morning, I woke up. And the yard was as I left it last night. I didn't know what to do, right? I, I didn't know this feeling of joy that burst forth in me and not of depression and anxiety of here we go again, right? Deja vu, we've been here before. It's that, oh, same old feeling. Today in Daniel 6, actually this story may, if you've been journeying with us feel a little bit of that same old, same old. So the same stuff, different day. That's our tension in the text today as we, we dive in. I hope that you're going to see and you'll wrestle with along with me that a lot of times in life, the tension we face, not only in the scriptures today, but in our own lives, is we face the same junk on just a different day. 
It seems like we're reliving the same story over and over again. We're, we're, we're dealing with the same feelings over and over again. We're feel, dealing with the same experiences. But guess what? Every four years, why does it seem like this come November 3, right? It's like we're reliving. What is this tension that we face? But the good news that we'll see again in Daniel 6 is while we may be facing the same junk, the same stuff on a different day, we serve the same God who has been with us and the same promises he carries us with. So let's dive into Daniel 6, and I'm just going to kind of pause along the way, and we're going to take some, take some take a, a little look at what is some of the same old, same old for Daniel. By the way, Daniel 6 in, in this story is well known as Daniel in the lion's den. How many of you have ever heard this story before? I don't know about you. Um, Daniel in the lion's den, I always thought Daniel was a little kid. I, I was kind of, when I was told this story, he was this young kid thrown in a lion's den. By this time in Daniel's life, he's probably 80 or 90 years old. Uh, mess up your whole now, the, the whole story for you? <laughs> when I thought about it, I was like, wait a second. This guy could very well be 85 years old in this story. So you think about same old, same stuff, different day. Here's old man Daniel. Not young boy, old man Daniel. So let's dive in. Verse 1. It pleased Darius. Darius is the ruler we heard about last week from the Medes and the Persians taking over Babylon. Babylon is no longer in power, the Persians are. And please Darius, who's the leader, to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. So kind of governors of areas. With three administrators then, so they have bosses over the 120. Three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss, right? He's setting up his government. It's the same old situation. Just as Nebuchadnezzar had set up his government with Babylon, here we see Darius setting up his government. Here we go, November 3. We will have a change of something. It may be the same president, maybe a new one. We will have different senators, different representatives. It's sort of the same old story. New power, new positions, it's a change, same stuff, different day. But Daniel so distinguished himself. So we have the same Daniel, though. Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps, by his exceptional qualities, the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So while this, govern, this entirely new country is leading the world, Daniel, for whatever reason, continues to be this person of character, of quality, of trustworthiness, of integrity. It's just kind of, he, he's the cream that continues to rise to the, to the top, right? The cream of the crop that keeps getting into positions in place. I'm wondering if he's like 85 years old going, dude, I just want to retire, right? But nonetheless, Daniel keeps on coming up to the top. Verse 4, at this, the administrators. So Darius wants to set Daniel up. And at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. So here we go. Same Daniel, man of integrity. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So, these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. Not trying to butter him up at all, is he? Reminiscent of Daniel 3 and the leaders having a problem with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, we should, we should do something about this. Not, we don't like these guys, we should do something about this. No, we should do something about this. Well, the royal administrators, prefix, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god 
or a human being during the next 30 days except to you. Yeah. May you live forever, King. Oh, and may we all look to you. May we pray to you. No one else. I mean, butter me up. Get my ego going. I don't know who of you wouldn't buy into that, but I'm telling you, you got a hundred and some people coming to you going, oh, man, we just want to celebrate you. I, well, consider him buttered, basted, ready for dinner, right? What, is, what do they say? Your majesty, right? This may you, we've all agreed that the king should issue an edict, right? Enforce a decree that anyone who prays to you, any god or human being during the next 30 days except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. They should be punished. Now your majesty issued the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So here's the same stuff, different day. They're setting it up so the, that Darius can't even get out of the situation. Let's, let's set it up so that you're stuck in a no-win situation. Let's, put it, let's make it so that, guess what? Whether you like it or not, here's where you are. Right? Like it or not, you're stuck. So King Darius put the decree in writing right? because he's, he's ready to go. Now, When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the window was open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Daniel, being the same man that he's been, has continued to go to prayer, to thanksgiving, continued to look to Jerusalem and the promises of God. See, that's what, as he looked to Jerusalem, it was anchoring himself in the promises of God to restore, to renew, to rebuild. He kept looking to God, but again, these men weren't really about King Darius. They were about getting Daniel. And these men went as a group and found Daniel praying, asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree Right? Here's the setup. We already got it positioned. We've already got it in play. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? <laughs> the king answered, well, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot re- be repealed. When these laws were put into play, oftentimes this was the leader speaking not only on their own behalf, but it would be speaking on the behalf of the gods. So this cannot be changed. This cannot be repealed because the gods couldn't even change their minds. So yes, of course, this is what's supposed to be. Verse 13, they then said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles of Judah. See, they got an issue with Daniel rising to the top. This outsider. This, this person who should be our slave, not be our leader. Right? That's what's loaded in that, the ex, one of the exiles from Judah. Right? This Daniel, who is one of the exiles of Judah, pays no attention to you. Right? They're still trying to get underneath Darius's skin. Want to, they're trying to incite him. Remember, if we go back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3... The leaders did the same thing to Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar, what? He lost his mind. Turned up the fires of the fiery furnace seven times hotter. So we'd think, well, maybe it's the same old story and Darius loses his. Well, guess what? Actually, the story alters just a little bit. Darius, though, is what? Greatly distressed. Verse 14. When the king heard this, He was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. So again, this man of character who has risen to the top, this man who followed his God, even though he broke the law, Darius still sees in him a quality and a character because he knew he could trust him and rely on him. Right? This, is, this is the way we would hope that we could all live in some ways, right? I mean, that, that we could live in such a way that, that those around us would go, man, I want you in charge. I want you helping lead, lead my, I trust you. And Darius felt that way about Daniel. He did everything he could, supposedly. We'll get 
there. Did he do everything? <laughs> well, he thought he did everything. But in, then the men went as a group to King Darius, and they said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. And yes, that is true. It can't be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel. They threw him into the lion's den, and the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. That God that you pray to three times a day, may he rescue you. You feel what Daniel's feeling, though, 85 years old. He's like, man, I've been through this before. (laughs) Seriously? Or is the title of the sermon today, again, really? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe by the time he's 85 years old, he's like, whatever. I'm ready to go meet God. That's fine. (laughs) I don't know. All I can say is, though, if I were in that situation, I know I get frustrated by leaves, okay? (laughs) If I get frustrated by leaves and this is going on, can't say I would probably behave the best. Can't say I wouldn't fight. I wouldn't try to defend myself and my honor. I wouldn't try to bring them down with me somehow. But nonetheless, Daniel gets thrown in. A stone was brought and placed over the, the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night, what? Without eating, without entertainment being brought to him. And he couldn't sleep. He had no peace. Because he knew this wasn't right, but he was in a no-win situation. The law said now and dictated that this is what would be. He was going to lose the one who was going to be the head of everything for him. That he trusted with his life. So at first light, verse 19, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Could you even imagine that? I mean... How many of you would think to call somebody to somebody in a lion's den after you tossed them in and you got laughed overnight? I I, I wouldn't even think to call, but yet Darius is still holding out some bit of hope. Maybe there was something in that phrase that he said to Daniel, Daniel, may the God you serve continually save you. I don't know what it was, but he calls out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lion's? Daniel answered. Right, that's the twist. That's the turn. While it may be the same old situation, while it may, may be the same stuff a different day, the same junk, the, the, may be deja vu all over again. Guess what? It's deja vu all over again. Daniel answered. He spoke. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted up from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. So, payback, I guess, some justice. You know, I'll tell you, remember back to Belshazzar last week? God's judgment. God does judge. It's hopeful for those who have been kicked down, stepped on, pushed down constantly. Over and over again, God's judgment is a sign of hope. And there is judgment in this story. Before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius, right? same, same stuff, different day. King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language and all the earth. This sounds a little bit like Nebuchadnezzar. May you prosper greatly. Nation, we want you to prosper. We want good things for you. So I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. Right? This is the testimony that goes out. 
He performed signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And it would be under Cyrus that the people would go back to Jerusalem. Daniel, while he was lifted up, was again put in a situation that was the same junk on a different day. Or he could have been like you and I saying, again, really? wonder this morning, when and where have you found yourself saying that? Again, really? Or, come on. How many have ever do that? Come on. And I'm not talking about, like, come on, man, that you'll see over on ESPN later on today as you watch some football, right? (laughs) Come on. Really? Right? How do you react and respond, though, when that happens, when we're stuck in these no-win situations, when we're stuck like Daniel, living the same thing over and over again? It seems like this, this timeline can mev- never move forward. It's just, man, what in the world do I have to do? I'm just trying to live with integrity. I'm trying to do the best that I can, and I just can't seem to win. Do you fight? Do you step back in, jump in, and start swinging? Do you, do you fight? Do you run away? Do you say, Whatever. Do you resign yourself to the situation? Do you grow impatient? Maybe get angry. I get a little angry. I get a little impatient. You jump into problem solving or just fixing things. Do you jump in and get a little grumpy? (laughs) Are you disheartened? Maybe judgmental, vindictive. How do you show up when it seems like the world continues to be this story lived the same way over and over again where you're feeling the same feeling that you felt before, you're seeing the same things you saw before? Because that's the reality of life. We're not all too different than Daniel. We face situations, we face life that while it may be a different day, we face some of the same challenges over and over And especially as we're trying to live with integrity in our lives. We're trying to live above board, above reproach. It comes back over and over again. But see, the good news, as I said as we began, was it's not about the fact that we're in the same stuff, that cycle, same stuff, different day. That's the reality. Yes, that's true. But we have the same God with the same promises with us each and every day. And that's who Daniel relied on, right? I want to take us back to verses 9 through 11. When Darius then puts this decree in writing, what does Daniel do? Daniel learned that the decree had been published. He went home to his upstairs room where his window opened towards Jerusalem. I said this earlier, but I want to say it again. Jerusalem for Daniel was representative of the promises of God. That God promised to restore his people to Jerusalem again. God promised to rebuild his temple. God promised to rescue his people. And in a moment where Daniel knew that life was getting, gonna, it was going to get nasty in just a few minutes. Because <laughs> he was not going to be somebody different. He was not going to stop worshiping God. He wasn't going to bow to someone else or something else. He looked to the one who he knew could rescue him. He knew who could restore him. He looked to the one whose promises to him were sure. They had been and they would be. And he prayed. And he prayed and gave thanks. I want to take just a moment and look back through Daniel 1 through 5. Because I think these are, if it is really the same stuff, different day. And if it really is the same God and same promises, what were some of those promises? Daniel 1, we saw that God was faithful. In what seemed to be and should be a faithless land, God remained faithful. Daniel 2, we saw God rescue through his wisdom and power. We saw God rescue. Daniel 3, we see God show up in the middle of a fiery furnace. In the middle, he didn't keep Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fire. He showed up in the fire with them and rescued them out of it. Right, I am with you. We saw God restore the humble Nebuchadnezzar. He humbled Nebuchadnezzar. 
We saw him restore him. And last week we saw again Belshazzar, God judge. Those who would not repent, who would not change, would not hold on to him. But see, Daniel, I can imagine him in his room praying and relying on this. While it was the same old day, the same stuff, different day, he knew that he could anchor himself deeply in the same God, the same promises. And that's true for us. That we can do the same. Even though it may not feel all that great. I can't say getting tossed in the lion's den would feel all too great. I don't like the feeling waking up going, oh, right? Come on. I don't like feeling disheartened. I don't like feeling like I've got to be combative. I don't like that stuff. But Daniel models for us the truth that we can anchor ourselves deeply with a God who continues to be with us who never changes. While the gods of Babylon can't change their mind, our God never changes his character and who he is. And we hear again in Daniel 6, to 23, my God sent his angel. Right? He shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, majesty. The king was overjoyed, gave the orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because what? He had trusted in his God. Can we trust in ours? I say, yeah, we can. It's will we. So my wondering for us today is, Daniel went to prayer. He went to Thanksgiving. He looked toward Jerusalem. What are the regular reminders in your life, in my life, that anchor our faith in the person and the promises of God? Because when we're frustrated, when we're disheartened, when we're feeling hopeless, we do have a place to go. We do have someone to trust in. We do have someone to rely on. So what are the things that we can anchor ourselves in? Is it prayer for you? Is it Thanksgiving? Is it reading the scriptures? Is it coming to worship together? Right? I remember as soon as we started worshiping together, just the sound of people saying, you know, it's so good to just be able in person to do this. And while you're at home, it's so good to be able to worship still. You can work, I mean, we can do this over technology. We could do it together. But nonetheless, it's something that continues to keep us anchored in the middle of a life that doesn't always seem to make sense. Right, We have no clue the next government that will be in charge, do we? Don't know. We'll figure it out soon enough. But guess what? We can anchor and be remain. We can, we can actually anchor ourselves, remain calm within the storm, trusting in the king whose kingdom endures forever. Because he's the same God and his same promises hold us still today. Tell you one of the things today that we can look to and we anchor ourselves in is communion. Again, I want to invite you to take your cups if you're at home, if you have some bread and some juice. Why do we take communion? I have three words up on the screen for us. Because it is something that anchors us in the story of God, it's something that anchors us. And not a rescue of Daniel from the lion's den, but one who is greater than Daniel. Right? One who is greater than Darius. Darius could have actually issued another decree. See, the end of the story is he issued another decree, didn't he? He didn't change his mind. He didn't change the decree that was, but he issued a new one. He could have done that. But it would have cost him something. And when the chance was given to actually cost him something to to issue a different decree he didn't and it could have saved Daniel's life well guess what there was someone else who came and it cost him everything Jesus was willing to put his reputation on the line for us Daniel could say hey I, I was a man of integrity we however can't and God says you know what I'll put my reputation on the line In fact, I'll do one better. I'll go into the lion's den for you. And while Daniel could walk up out of the lion's den because of God's saving work, the only one who walked out with him was himself. 
And yet when Jesus entered a lion's den of the cross, not only did he succumb to the lions, but three days later defeated the greatest lion of all, and that is the devil. Not only did he defeat the devil, he defeated sin and death. And it wasn't just him who walked up out of a lion's den, out of a tomb, but he led all of the captives free. Praise God, Daniel got to walk out. But praise God, we get to walk out because of Jesus. It was his, his integrity, his character, his righteousness that rescued us. He's the reason we're free. Amen? So on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread. We take a wafer this morning. Right? It's not about the means and the methods as much as it is about the Spirit joining us to Jesus. Jesus took the bread. He said, this is my body given for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Take heed. And in the same manner, Jesus took the cup that they had shared with one another. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. It's a new promise. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Take God, thank you that you can transform the ordinary into the extraordinary by your spirit. Thank you that you join us to you, that we get to remember today what you have done, Jesus, in your death and in your resurrection. Not only do we get to remember what you have done, we are joined to you and joined to one another as the body of Christ, that we are never alone. And thank you that we are reminded again in hope that your kingdom lasts forever, your dominion will go on and on as Darius proclaimed, and we now know because Jesus is seated on the throne. And thank you that one day, Lord, you will wipe every tear from every eye. You will renore, re restore and renew. You will, Lord, return all things to the way they were intended to be. You will finally lay Satan and sin to rest and offer the peace and freedom that we experience now through your spirit and in Christ, but we will see fully one day face to face with you when we look upon us. Lord, thank you for your love for us for never letting us go, for remaining the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We stand sing with us.
the end of Hebrews 11, we're reminded that God does shut the mouths of lions. We're also reminded that sometimes people have lost their lives from the lions as well. But Hebrews 11 reminds us that Daniel's hope actually wasn't that he got raised to these positions and places. His hope was always Jerusalem, and he knew he was never going back. So he was looking for a home that wasn't his. He, he couldn't get to. And then Hebrews 12 reminds us, while, while, while all of us look to some place, look to our Jerusalem, look to our heavenly home, look, look to, the, to a peace, to a shalom that, that we're, we're, we can't seem to get to here. We know that in Christ we can have shades of pieces of, we're looking to it. Hebrews 12 reminds us, keep fixing our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith who endured the cross, the shame of the cross, who was raised victorious. That it's Christ who will drown our fears in his perfect love. That while we may be more like Darius and can't sleep, don't want anything fun, can't eat, in Christ we know we can have the peace that Daniel lived and walked in. As you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his smile upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All God's children said, amen. Go in peace.